On Pop Fiction Women, we explore what it means to be a complicated woman. Tired of endless variations of leading men next to one-dimensional archetypes of women, or strong female leads written by men that were essentially guys in women's bodies. We started this show to highlight the many female characters in entertainment worth exploring, as well as the women who dreamt them up. And now we're adding those creators to our conversations, discussing their process and passion in bringing these women to life. Welcome to Complicated Conversations. On these episodes, there's no spoilers. So come on, it's starting. We are thrilled to be chatting today with Sarah Bladel. Sarah is the author of the number one international best-selling series featuring Detective Louise Rick, as well as the Family Secret series. Her books are published in 38 countries, and Sarah is the recipient of the Golden Laurel, Denmark's most prestigious literary award. Her runaway number one Danish best-selling crime novel, A Harmless Lie, is out in the U.S. today. Thank you so much for joining us at Pop Fiction Women, Sarah. Thank you so much for inviting me. So I want you to tell a little bit about The Harmless Lie, but but I first have to note that you are known as Denmark's queen of crime. That's a great (laughs) title to have. That is something, isn't it? (laughs) Over three million copies of your books have been sold in Denmark alone, which has a population of 5.7 million people. (laughs) So it's almost as many books in circulation as there are people. With translations in 38 countries, you have a dedicated fan base in the U.S. and all around the world. I mean, that we're so excited to be talking to you. So tell, tell our listeners a little bit about The Harmless Lie. The Harmless Lie was, um, was a story that came up in my head. Uh, I was, I was uh, living in New York for a couple of years when I was... Uh, yeah. That's where we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when I was writing uh, the, the Family Secret trilogy... And that the trilogy is very much uh, what can you say? The suspense is between the people. It's between the relations. It's the yeah. choices that we made that had impact on other people, and it inspired me to write a Louise Rick novel that was that put her in the situation of being there as a private person. I mean, for for nine books, she have been in charge of an investigation, or she have been involved in investigations. She have been working with missing persons department and homicide department. So I want to bring her into the story on the other side of the table, mm-hmm. where she is just there, like you and me, and being what for one second to another involved in a in a in a crime case. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about um, her brother Mikkel. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife Trine disappeared, and uh, very soon uh, the police, and that is what happened in real life, they will of course look into Mikkel and Trina's relations, they will look into her life, they will dig into his private life, they will investigate what was he doing before she disappeared. All that is natural police work. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. would happen so happen like that in real life. And Louise, of course, know that. But this right. time, it's her brother. Mm-hmm, so this right. time she had a lot of she had a lot to lose and she had a lot of things to think about. I mean, it's a very very personal story for her, of course, to be involved in that. And that was my way into a harmless lie. I want to put in the situation where she hadn't been before. Oh, oh I love that's that! Exciting, yeah. And we're gonna get to the brother and some of these other 
themes that you're talking about, but I, I do need to start with Louise, Rick, your beloved protagonist for 10 of your 13 books. Um, Louise is what we like to call on this podcast, complicated, a complicated woman um, in a harmless lie. She's between jobs, um, having left missing persons to head the homicide department. She's also recently been left by her partner, Ike. Uh, and I read an interview in which you said that Louise possesses both the best and the worst qualities of myself, and then all that I would like to be on top. When it comes down to it, she's just all too human and ordinary, but she has a very unusual job. So I do want to ask just first um, what your original inspiration was for Louise Rick, and I know obviously she's evolved over time, um, but sort of how this, this character came to you originally. How she found you, because I bet she found you. That is exactly what happened. She found me uh, Uh. because to begin with, and that is really true. And now I I know that I'm, I've been writing so many books since it all began, but, but it was not my plan to write a crime novel. It was not, I was not looking for jumping into being an author. I was, I was actually pretty happy about my job being a journalist, but I created a space in my head when you know all about deadlines and I mean, you know all about the fush going up to and busy, busy, busy and people were shouting around you. And I created a space in my head where I started telling myself a story. And Louise Rick was there from the very early beginning. I could see her so clearly and I knew that, uh, to no, to begin with, I thought she was a journalist like myself because it would be extremely easy for me to create a space around her. But then I said, oh no, you can do better. And I've been a huge crime fiction reader and a crime fiction fan for, for years and years. And yes, from I was a child and I was reading mysteries for children. You know, right. Ein Blyton, the famous five, or uh, Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So I was into what if, dot, 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 what if this happened and how, oh, it was so exciting. So, so instead of going, I mean, in... In therapy, I start telling myself story to avoid stress. <laughs> so I, what if this or this happened in Copenhagen? A journalist was killed and he was found behind that hotel and blah, blah, blah. And I think that went on for three or four months, just being fun for myself. But at one point, I was so curious about what could be her surroundings when she went to work at the homicide department in Copenhagen and I've never been arrested thank god for that so I didn't know what I didn't know what it looked only like only time that's a downside is <laughs> exactly. when you're trying to write something yes exactly so I I I wrote a totally old school letter to the the former chief of the homicide department asking him you know telling him a little bit of a lie telling that I was working on a crime fiction that was going on in his department which I was not but uh, I did not I mean, I did not see it coming that he would call me on the phone next day and inviting me in for for a tour. And mm. he said, oh, that is so exciting. Come in, meet us and see what it's looked like to work here. And from that second, I mean, it went for being just fun and just my own way to deal with whatever I am dealing mm. with, uh, to actually be researching for a book. So... <laughs> She was extremely clear and I I had a very weird feeling the first time I sat down and started writing my book number one. 
because I've been a journalist for at that time for seven or eight years or something like that or maybe more yeah um so I was very used to stick to what people told me and trying to create what 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 I have been witnessed or what I've listened to trying to stick very much to to the facts so writing fiction was totally new for me. Oh wow! I yeah. mean, I, I I've I've never tried. I mean, then she walked down the street, and then this and that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a very weird feeling because, I mean, maybe two or three pages into my first book, Louise Rick is having a nervous breakdown. I love it. Right. Super bad start. Right. I mean, it couldn't start worse. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I, I mean, she is in the in the situation where she has to to tell a young woman that her boyfriend has, has been attacked on the street and is so dangerous. I mean, he's getting he's he he got himself killed by after that attack, and being in the situation where she showed up on this young woman's doorstep, telling her it overwhelmed her with sorrow and feelings. And I was like, I mean, I did not see that coming. I have right. not planned anything about it. So. After I've been writing maybe five pages about it, I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> and you, in her, in your mind, she was this strong, yes! no nonsense, mm-hmm. you know, detective who was going to get right to the point of everything. And then here she is, overwhelmed with emotion. Yes. That's that's what we love about <laughs> complicated women. They come up like this, you know. There's you put Many on sides. one, yeah, you put on one face. And then yeah. sometimes another yeah. one sneaks up on you. Exactly, you didn't see it coming. But that, after, that's bef- a great story. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's, it was what it was actually one of, because of course we know, you and I know, I could have pressed delete and then everything was over. Sure, now, and right. I could have made her a tough cookie, as you say. Mm-hmm. But um, but I I I, I told I, I asked the homicide the chief of the homicide department ah. how would you have handled it, and then he looked at me and he is a very very brilliant police officer and he looked at me and said but sarah if she did not react like that she would never have a job in my department because mm. i want empathy i mm-hmm. want them to show feelings because mm-hmm. that makes the best investigators oh, i was wow. like okay yes you're like you perfect i knew exactly. this <laughs> so. so as we've uh, we've discussed if this is a louise rick novel but and as you mentioned, her personal life and her relationships are really at the forefront of this one because she is at a crossroads uh, in her life. And I found the most compelling relationship for me was with her brother because I have a brother. Mm-hmm. I have two brothers, actually. And you wrote, I just want to read a little bit. You wrote, she'd always thought she do would do anything for her little brother, climb any mountain, walk any desert, though he would have been irritated to hear her say that he was a head taller than her and didn't look like someone at didn't look at all like someone who needed his big sister to take care of him still she'd vowed that she'd always be there for him no matter what I am a big sister I could relate very much but she has this feeling and that's normal and natural but she's also has to put on this other mind as you mentioned earlier because she knows there's about to be an investigation into the disappearance of of Trine and that her brother is going to be looked at in a different way. So what did what did you want to explore having this relationship fr- so front and center? For me the important 
I mean, strongest scene here is, is, yeah, the relationship between them because she cannot know for a fact mm-hmm. what if what he is telling is the true or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that is always the most important thing for me with good people or bad people. Mm-hmm. It's both of them. I mean, we, I believe, I take that on my own shoulders, <laughs> I believe that we can be brought in a situation where we can step over the line and mm-hmm. become evil or become mm-hmm. a vil- villains. Or that become... anyone has that yes. capability. I think that yes. if, if the kick is, I mean, not just like a psychopath or not just, but if you really go into the deepest point of, or you're hard or you're so whatever it might be, the deepest inside you, there can be a dark side if someone tricks it. I believe that. Right. I, I, it's not a fact. I don't know it for sure. Yeah. I haven't been there. I haven't done it. But I believe that you could, you could, for, for for example, in my case, it's my son. I don't know what what I could be able to do if someone was yeah. hurting him very badly. But I mean, I, I find people most interesting if you know that it's in there. And mm-hmm. Louise Rick, for the first time ever, is in the situation where she investigates for her own sake because she needs to know what happened. Mm-hmm. And A Harmless Lie is also about a story goes back in time, mm-hmm. back to a school trip uh, for young, young teenagers around 13. In Denmark, it's very common that uh, we go on a school trip when we are around 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we go away for four or five days. And very often, a lot of us have been on a small island called Bonholm. It's very close to Sweden. Um, and I have the feeling that this group of teenage girls, we had, I, where I went to school, it's very close to where a harmless lie is located. So it's my, it's my backyard. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> um, and I use a lot of it uh, from, from my own time that not... Not all of it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Then I would be in jail. Yeah, but <laughs> but um, I find it so interesting that these teenage girls uh, are going on the field trip. One of them is not coming back home. She disappear, totally disappear. Uh, and what that does to girls and young women. Uh, when something like that happened, and that is a, that is a, also a, a thing in the story because Trine, Louise's sister-in-law, she was in that school class. She went on that field trip, and she was one of the f- uh, girlfriends to uh, the friends to to the girl who disappeared. So I mean, in this story, Louise Rick have a lot to lose because she do not know for sure what happened. She do not have access to the police files. So she needs to, with, as, as a human, needs to know how she can help her brother. Mm-hmm. But she's also professional, so of course she also needs to be aware that maybe something has happened that she... Right. She has to believe that and, believe and keep that, that open. Yeah, exactly. keep it open, so yeah. I find it very twisted uh, between yes. being professional and being human, yes. private person. <laughs> we do. We all do. Yeah. Yeah. So another relationship that we love in this book is the one that she has with her friend, with the f- journalist, Camila Lind, that they've been friends for over 20 years. 
I'm sorry, Jesus, they've been friends. Well, actually, if we go back in your books, I'm not sure how many years it adds up to. Many, many years. Many, many. But we have been friends is what I wanted to say. Corinne and I have been friends for over 20 years. So that is why their sort of long-term friendship really spoke to us too. And, you know, we were, we met in school and college and, you know, and now we do this professional endeavor as well together. So we love content that explores female friendship in a really credible and relatable way like like you do here. So Louise and Camila's friendship is part of the book and the series that just really spoke to us. So I was thinking, you know, it does still seem unique to me to find sort of a female like buddy type books in crime fiction written by women. I wouldn't think that it would still be unusual, but it it feels that way. So I'm I'm curious, you know, what your thoughts on on that and why you chose to put Louise and and Camila's friendship front and center in your novels even as they at, navigate sort of their own lives and professions and relationships. To be totally honest, it it is very much about mm-hmm. having a journalist also in the stories and that's not not just to make it easier for me was to begin with, but mm-hmm. I like the feeling I like the idea of having a murder case or a missing person or whatever it, whatever it might be where you have the police on one side of the table and a journalist on the other side mm-hmm. because they have access to different things of information different or, or it's also different what people will tell them and yeah, what way it. they will tell yeah. them right. yeah. so yeah. so i was a little bit to begin with is it too weird to put uh, camilla as a journalist in she will hate that i say that because she actually feels that it's her books she's a little bit not okay with it it's louise rick that is the protagonist <laughs> yeah. but but we try to deal with that right. but it's i mean it's extremely helpful and also for me it's interesting to have these two female characters so i don't need to say to to write now she's thinking this or that, but I can show it in her reaction to Camilla, for example, or the other mm-hmm. way around, and they can support each other. And one of the things that I I have a very few close, close friends, but my closest friends are uh, Gide, who I went, to, who I've known since I was three and went to school with, and Christina, who I've known since I was ten. They are still my closest friends. I mean, we are. We're so close, so it's we are way beyond what will be, oh, you look wonderful today. Right. Oh, you are so good at this and that. Mm. I mean, we are way beyond that. We can be, hey, you look crappy today. Are there something I can do for you? Maybe you need now to slow down because, I'm, I mean, I'm really worried about you. Mm. So we, we, are, we are past that place in our friendship where it's about only being nice. Mm-hmm. But I know that whatever would happen to me, they will be there, and they right. have because I've, I've, I lost my parents um, some year, uh, years ago, and they died. They passed away with only three days behind them, and and um, having mm-hmm. these two women who've been uh, my life witness because we've they've known mm-hmm. my parents. Because, I mean, we are we are so much into it that having people like you will know that you have a history with. It's so common to say, that, I mean, men can come and go, you can be married or you yeah. can be divorced, yeah. but, you're, right, right. but your friends, they will stick forever. That mm-hmm. is my story. And and so not just on the professional way, I have, it's a huge help to have Luis and Camilla because I can 
put them on on the pages in different situations and I can go into witnesses or relatives or whatever it might be in different situations. But it's also a wonderful uh, way to show how we are on a private Mm-hmm. in our private life. Also, I mean, with Camilla's son, Marcus, and Luis have a foster son called Jonas. Mm-hmm. And the way that they the the way that they see lives and the goals in life and the dream for the life, Camilla wanted to, wanted really badly at some point in the series to be married. And Luis is totally different. Um, she's, she's working a lot because she loves it not because she's trying to achieve a higher or a better job she is involved in a job because she's yeah she's she's she feels that she is connected and she feel it makes it, it gives her yeah how can i say meaning meaning yes, working yes, a lot yeah mm-hmm. uh, and camilla wants something else mm-hmm. And of course, they cannot have it exactly as they want because I'm the one who decides. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel that it is a way also to show, for example, Louise, who've never been dreaming of having a husband and three children, that is not her goal of life. And and that is very much into my own life because I was uh, living alone with my son. Uh, I, uh, I was with his father until Adam was one and a half and then we split up. And I cannot tell you how many times I've heard, oh, Sarah, now it's time for you to find a new man. Or you have yeah. To, yeah, you have to go on dates. You have to, oh, it would be wonderful. And I was like, how are you to judge? Because mm. I have a wonderful life. I was so into I was working as a journal at that time. And on the side, I was writing my two first novels. Mm. And I had a wonderful time in life with my son. Right. So right. it was a kind of... Implied is that it, there's something missing there yeah. that you need to fill yeah. that particular hole. Exactly. Yeah. And you're like, I it's... don't see a hole here. <laughs> I, I didn't see I don't a feel hole. this. No, yes. I didn't feel it. And and I put that in Solis Rick because, I mean, she is the one to decide what is right yes. for her. And yes. she is the one to decide what kind of life she wants. And then I make an, another, another story with Camilla who really wanted and now that she had it maybe she don't want it that much anymore right right yeah (laughs) which happens too that's also true you (laughs) managed to put all of that emotion all of that backstory all of that depth into the littlest things like when you know louise answers and she's brushing her teeth and spitting a toothpaste and you can just tell that they have that that history and that comfort together um by these little little moments of I'm very glad that you say that yeah Mm. yeah yeah absolutely so you've talked about a few of these things I don't know if you'll want to add anything but I want to put it together the uh, the harmless lie uh, as the title uh, um, refers reveals a, a lie that is told by a group of young girlfriends told in 1995 so there's dual timelines in this book and it was partially informed as you've kind of refer mentioned uh, by your childhood and a friend's diary from her class trip. Do you want to talk a little bit about that inspiration? It was so. It was actually so funny because when I start the, doing the research, because we all have been here, and I was, um, I was start doing the research, and I was uh, out having a huge speak uh, with a huge audience, and at, at, the, at the end of uh, my event, 
uh, someone in the audience was asking, will there be a new Louis Rick? And I was like, yes, I think that will. And I think it will bring you on a school trip to Bonhon. And after I finished uh, the event, a woman came up to me and it turns out that she was one of the girls from my my school class in Valsø, oh. oh. I mean, for 100 years ago. <laughs> and, and then she said, oh, Sarah, I remember Bonholm. And do you remember when we jumped out the window and met these uh, local guys? Uh, and, wow. and I was like, hey, 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 no, you did not invite me. I, wasn't, I was not one of them. But of course, it started up. And that was what happened at that time. I mean, 13 out on your own only yes. with all your friends and local boys and hanging out and meet at the beach so many things mm-hmm. and I want to to put that into the story and then I have a wonderful Facebook group and um, I ask them hey how many of you remember the school trips and tons of them remember school trips <laughs> and they came up with I mean 10 thousand comments that many 10, followers yeah. 10,000 wow. comments on what they remember the the place where we bought candy oh yes we jump out on the of the window a lot of people did that <laughs> I have to say. And, and they remember so many things and it was like a treasure uh, thing that I I've opened so right. and my friend has a diary from the exact same even that she's way younger than I am and that, that we visited the same thing science over there we did the same thing we had the same we we had the same thing to eat I mean right oh it my was gosh. so fun the smell of being it's a 10 of four or 10 girls sleeping together. Mm-hmm. That's something you can't research in that same way. You can go to the place and you try to get your memories, but to have a real almost firsthand account of what you were doing then or what, mm-hmm. uh, what your group was doing then, that's, that's research helpful. you can't. Yeah. 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 So and, helpful. And it shows, it shows it. You know, I'm glad that you feel that way. Oh, my God. So I've also read um, that you said that you often write based on indignation or about something you cannot understand but really want to understand. And I just love that. Um, was there a source of indignation here or something you wanted to understand that inspired the harmless lie? Actually, the it it uh, the first idea or the first plot line to a harmless lie uh, showed up in one of my previous books, A Stolen Angel, uh, The Stolen Angel, I think it's called in the U.S., uh, where a character, a girl, now in that book she was a woman called Mona, she uh, react very. Um, sensitive when people are disappearing and she can read about it in the news or hear about it in the news and I was curious about her story uh, after I finished the book because it was it was very clear to me that she reacted that way so I sat down spent a week or two creating just for my own sake just because I was curious on that character and and curious on her behavior because she showed up on a, we have a, a mental hospital. Is it called a mental hospital? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Outside Copenhagen, and she show up when times getting when it's getting uh, difficult for her. And I talked to to uh, some of the uh, uh, the people who work down there, asking them, 
Is that possible? With, oh, yes, they say. Oh, yes, mm. you can have a trauma in your life that will never go away. Mm. And people here are vulnerable. And uh, if things are getting tough, then they show up here on our doorsteps. And sometimes it's enough to give them a cup of tea and uh, bread and cheese and invite them to sit a bit. And then they can handle, deal, deal with the things that is difficult. And other times right. we, we will have them in here. Yeah. And that was Mona. And I was so curious what had happened. And I knew at that time that she went on a school trip to Bornholm with a class, school class. And one of the girls from the school class disappeared. And never shows up again. No one know, knew what happened after. I mean, because they didn't find a body. It wasn't It wasn't obvious what had happened. Maybe she wanted to disappear. Maybe she ran right. off with someone. Maybe she right. was kidnapped, whatever. We didn't know. And that has a huge impact on the rest of Mona's life. Uh, also because she was sensitive. And that was picked from real life. I mean, not, not that someone disappeared, but that it can have that impact on you. And that makes me curious. Yeah. So I wanted that is that is what a harmless lie is about, because it's very much about being on that school trip, being a, away from your parents, having some secrets with your friends, which I think that all of us have had at some point. Mm. And um, the consequences when you are thirteen is totally different from consequences that we would think of as an adult. So if you feel that you've been out there and you will, oh, you hope that your teachers will not uh, find out that you jump out that window, as we talked mm -hmm. about, right. and, oh, no, please do not tell my parents, then it's much better to say nothing because the consequences for a te young teenager will never be the same as the problem that we will see later. Right. And, and all this, that is a harmless lie. It was just a, a harmless lie at that time because... Right. They were not trying to harm anyone. They were not trying mm -hmm. to not telling the truth. They were just trying, young young girls was just trying to protect themselves for mm -hmm. being kicked out of the school trip or yeah. for yeah. being sent back home. Yeah. Mm. God, so good. I know. You've woven in so many things we love. So how we can escape the past and whether we can exactly. is a big theme for Kate and I. So we, yes. we talk about that a lot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so before we let you leave, we I, I have obviously I think made it clear that we've read a lot of interviews with you. Um, and one of the things that uh, is often used to describe you, a word that keeps coming up in terms of both your writing process and your work ethic is the word intense. You know, your research process is intense. You write at an intense pace, um, very prolific. Your mood, apparently, when you write, you can get very intense. And then I saw that your date, what well, your date of birth, and it all made sense to me. We are very into astrology on this podcast. It's a side interest of ours. And I saw that you're a Leo, mm -hmm. and so am I. And intense might be a word I relate to. I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that fire yes. sign. Yes, yes, the fire sign. So we do ask all our authors what's their sign and do they relate, but I've already, you know, yes. Google researched too. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Great. <laughs> yes, and do you relate to it? I absolutely do. Yes. Intense is what I am. I, I think mm. that I think that lions have also other great skills that I cannot I, I do not remember now, but I'm absolutely not very special in so many ways, but I'm intense and I'm very committed when I'm telling a story and I'm a very bad friend to have in that 
in, in, I mean, in that period, because I'm so into my fiction world, so I a little bit forget what is going on in the real world when it's going on. <laughs> Get focused, focused. Yeah. I love yes. it. The yes, lion. The, those the blinders, You're like yeah, Scott, charge ahead, charge ahead. Yeah, I do have those too. So yes. I, I really, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, nice. and the fixed sign. I mean, once you start working on something, you are going to see it through yes. and give you a project or, in this case, a book. It will get yeah. done. Exactly, exactly. So. Also because it's fun. And it's yes, fun. well, we and like to have fun. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. Right. I love it. Well, we just want to ask you if there's anything that you are loving right now. Any, a book you've read, a movie you've seen, a show you're watching. What do you? What are you into other than... Yeah, <laughs> I, I've just been watching. I mean, scared, the, the freaked me out. I've been watching uh, Karen Slaughter's new uh, Netflix like, show. Pieces of her, oh, yes, pieces of her, so good. Jesus Christ, yes. eleven yeah. minutes in. I, oh my God, she, she's right? a very good friend of mine. Yes, uh, Karen, we've known each other for years, and we love her. We, love I her. love her too. <laughs> And, she's and, so funny. Yes, yeah, she, she is. That she's so intense. Her books are very intense and gripping, and yet she is so dry and sarcastic and yeah. funny. We, we interviewed that. her. We were dying. We I mean, her yeah. humor is amazing. Exactly. Anyway, but go ahead. Yes. No, but but it's also it's always so super interesting to see when when thing, when books that you love is turned into movies or television mm-hmm. shows, mm-hmm. because you can you can uh, drop the whole thing on the on the floor and you'll never. I mean, oh Jesus Christ! Did they spoil it like that? But this eleven minute in the first episode, I was like, okay, it's yeah. Karen's books. I will not say anymore, but it's about yes. a knife and a hand. Oh, yes. gosh. <laughs> the diner scene. Yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah, the diner scene. I was on the tip of my toe. I was like, what? Oh, it was okay. so intense, that scene. Anyway, yes. yeah, we're with yes. you. And Tony Collette. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. We yeah. love her. Yeah. 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 yeah so uh, that is my, my latest thing. That's that a good one. Binge watching it all, all of it. That's yes. a good one. All right. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. A Harmless Lie is out today. Do you want to share any, where are you active on social media? Where should people find you, follow you, contact you? It would be wonderful uh, to see people show up on my uh, Instagram. It's just Sarah Bladel. And I have the same on Twitter. And I have a Facebook, um, a Facebook, but it's almost, most of it is in Danish. So maybe a little bit boring. So Instagram <laughs> and Twitter, I'm Sarah Bladel. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed the show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Fiction Women or on Twitter at Pop underscore women. For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.